Have you heard? I now have a Patreon account where you can sign up to support my work and get some pretty awesome perks to help you realize your own potential. Perks include things like handwritten notes sent via snail mail, monthly oracle card readings for your business, and even exclusive monthly intuitive business coaching sessions. Check it out at patreon.com slash her entrepreneurial spirit. What was really interesting, Monique, is after I said, okay, I'm starting something new, I'm leaving, opportunities just started flowing in. And I realized if, if I never closed that door, none of the other ones would have opened. Hello and welcome to Her Entrepreneurial Spirit. I'm your host, Monique Glover. This is a place for spiritual entrepreneurs to connect and share their voices. Join me as I talk with women who are harnessing the power of intuition, creativity, and trust in order to build authentic and purpose-driven businesses. It's time to lean into your own light as you let these stories encourage you to explore the unlimited potential of your entrepreneurial spirit. Ming is a director of professional learning who has dedicated her career to inspiring students, teachers, and administrators through positive learning experiences. She believes that courage is the critical ingredient for personal transformation. She is now building a community of courage beyond the classroom to support kids and adults. You can catch her sharing stories of courage so people can learn to thrive, not just survive, on the Courage Up podcast. Ming is the kind of person that welcomes you with open arms and just fills you with love. She is such an easy person to talk to and makes you feel like you can take on the world with her encouragement. Welcome, Ming. I am so excited to have you on today. Well, first, thank you so much for your kind words, Monique. And second, I'm honored to be a guest here. Thank you so much for having me and for hosting this platform for us to have this conversation. So I'm really, really grateful to be here with you today. So thank you. You're welcome. I'm excited to dive into your story and just, you know, I, I wanted a platform that women can share their stories about entrepreneurship and what they're doing and how they're doing it different. And just so, I don't know, you have that companionship, you know, that, okay, someone else is doing things against the grain too, and they're succeeding and, and it's okay. And build up that, that community of people to support each other. So I am excited to have you to share your stories about courage. Love it. So tell me how how did you get started? How did you how did you transition from well, you were still a director of professional learning, correct? Yep, I still work full-time in a school district. Yep. Yes. And you're doing the podcast and the whole business side <laughs> of that too. <laughs> And you have two yeah. children, <laughs> a husband. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I'll take it back to 2018. People choose a word of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And my word of the year is usually not in January, but rather in August because I work in the school system. <laughs> so I'm like, it's the start of a new year. What is it? And that year, I really was focused and I decided my word was courage. There were, I I just wasn't living into my full potential in that moment. And courage to me felt like to advocate for myself, to advocate for others, to do things that were in line with my values. And so I I kind of went on that journey and what, what does courage look like? And I found out that while I was working on my own courage journey, there were teachers and students that were needing a little extra courage boost too. Like I wasn't the only one feeling this way in the org. And it led to me creating some professional development trainings on what does courage look like for educators and what does it look like for kids? Because I really believe that if we can start building this foundation of courage while kids are young, while their brains are still forming and we're creating those neural connections, then as they get older, when they're independent, in the workforce, off to doing whatever they're doing, traveling the world, this is a muscle that's been exercised and practiced and that to be courageous as an adult can be a little bit easier because it's it's been something that's been a part of their lives throughout their education. So that's kind of where it started for me. Um, and then it's been kind of like this windy journey, Monique. So <laughs> when... <laughs> Like all journeys, right? Do you think, oh, I'm just going to get there. There's my goal. And like, oh, here's another detour. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh, totally. So I started the Courage Up podcast because what really helped me be courageous was hearing other people's stories of courage. So while I was going through this job identity thing of, um, I really had to learn my, I remember this moment, Monique, of my husband standing directly in front of me and he said, Ming, your job as an instructional coach does not define who you are. Your job in this district does not define who you are. And I was like, whoa, like that was such a moment for me. Like, oh my gosh, you're right. But I had been trained to think that like who I am and everything that I do is encompassed in this position that I held. So while I was going through that job identity search, a good friend of mine was going through a divorce and her divorce and going through that courage of separating from a man she was married to for so, so many years. It sounds bizarre, Monique, but it was so similar to the path that I was. Like everything we were experiencing was so similar. So that really helped me hearing how she was couraging up so that I could do it. And so the podcast was born because I wanted to share people's stories of courage, similar to what you're doing with the her entrepreneurial podcast is that when we hear other people doing it and stepping outside of their comfort zones, that gives us permission to be a little bit more brave and a little bit more bold. So that's how the podcast started. And so the winding journey is that 
I always wanted to build courage in the classroom, right? Like that was my big goal. And so then I took my first ever online class that was about business and marketing and how do I do that? And then I was in there and everyone was talking about how they're a life coach, a fitness coach, doing marketing, branding, all this. I'm like, oh, am I thinking too small? Do I need to go beyond the classroom? So then I started opening it up more to courage and pursuing whatever dreams you want. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's too big, but I still want to impact students. Like, then it came back. And so it's been this back and forth, back and forth. And I think we'll get into this more later, but in the back of my mind and in my heart and in my soul, kids kept popping up and student transformation kept like tugging at my heartstrings. And as much as I try to walk away from that, it keeps pulling me back and saying, no, no, like this is where the focus is. This is what you're passionate about. This is what you truly, truly are invested in. Mm. It's amazing just to listen to you talk and how you're so in tuned with that pull that it's so easy to get distracted by so many things you could do, especially when you have multiple passions. Like I love the term multi-passionate entrepreneur because isn't that, Mm -hmm. isn't that everybody? Mm -hmm. Like you have so many things and you want to change the world. Um, but to have that one thing that keeps tugging at you, it's, yeah, it's, it's really special, really shows you that you have this calling, but it keeps Mm -hmm. finding you (laughs) no matter what direction you're doing. It's like, no, like you said, no, no, come back to this. (laughs) It's so crazy how it does that because there are so many times that I I just say like, nope, that's not what. Here's what happens for me, Monique. And I don't know if this happens to any of your listeners is that the more invested I am in the passion or the idea, the more imposter syndrome comes out for me. And I think that's why I kept running away from it. So for me, I've been in education for 14, 15 years now. And when I think about speaking about courage in the classroom, I'm like, I know exactly what needs to happen. I'm super passionate about it. But then this voice goes, well, should I be the one that's speaking about it? Why I'm not actually teaching in the classroom anymore. So what credibility do I have? Like all of those voices start going, but I'm like, wait, I did teach in the classroom. I've supported many teachers in the classroom. Like I've been in the game. I'm still really, really into it. So, but then when I think about, oh, hey, like I can help women everywhere. Like that seems less scary to me than to be in the field that I chose. I don't know why, but (laughs) it's this this crazy thing that happens. Isn't that funny that you get that feeling of imposter syndrome in the area that you have the most expertise and the most passion for. And multiple degrees. I have multiple (laughs) degrees. But I don't know. It's, I I feel that I, I have that feeling very similar to you that you feel like you need to do more to become credible. 
that you can't, it's very hard to just trust that, okay, I have that pull that's going to lead me. <laughs> it, it's easier to think, okay, well, when I get this degree, right, I'll go get another degree. I'll take this class and, and then I'll be the expert. And then, <laughs> but then you still feel that way. I mean, I've talked to women that are in their seventies now and they still feel that way that it's this universal thing between, I don't know, it seems like women in general that you, you doubt your power and your capability, not to generalize everything for all women, but it's definitely been a commonality um, with the women that I've been chatting with from, you know, 19 to 73. (laughs) It's so crazy. Yeah. And for me, Monique is the voice will happen and then I take action right away. So Last week, I was kind of hearing that chatter in the back of my head, and I got asked to do a courage up, uh, building long-lasting relationships with a group of high school, college girls um, in the next couple of weeks. And so I just started working on my outline and my presentation for them. And as soon as I'm in flow, where I'm working on something that I'm passionate about, that reaffirms why I'm doing what I'm doing. So as soon as I hear the chatter, I find a project, something that I can switch my mind to focus on instead to kind of quiet down the chatter. I need to take action. I like just the self-positive talk flip isn't enough for me. I have to do something about it too. Uh, I love that you're taking action on it too. Instead, how how many of us can be, you just feel like you're stuck in the wanting to take action. And I feel like that's almost where all the doubt tends to collect. (laughs) And you prevent yourself from taking that next step because of all the fear surrounding it. And I mean, you, you tell me you're the expert in courage about it's almost that step of courage to take, it takes courage to take the action because then you're committing yourself to it. You're putting yourself out there. It's not just this idea in your head anymore. This is a quote from Stephen Pressfield. It's amazing. It says, don't prepare, begin. Our enemy is not lack of preparation. The enemy is resistance. Our chattering brain producing excuses. Start before you are ready. How how amazingly true is that? I have to tell myself that. Yeah. You never feel ready. Even having kids. I don't know if anyone's ever like, yes, I'm ready to have kids. Let's do that. But you think you're going to know. You think, okay, well, <laughs> you know, I need to do everything. I have to yeah. have the engagement and then the wedding. And then I need to have the house and I need to be financially stable. And I think, oh my gosh, if I wait. For all of that, I'm never going to have kids. <laughs> or it's true. Till, till you know what you're doing. And then, well, you think you know what you're doing. And then you choose to have another. And then, well, everything you thought you just learned is all blown out of the water because this human is completely different than, than the last one. And <laughs> I mean, I can think of situations too where you never if you thought something was going to happen to you, I'm thinking about like, okay, you can always think of your worst case scenarios and in your mind, you're never able 
to handle it, that it kind of grows into these doubts and fears. But then if you look back on your life in these moments where you have handled difficult situations, and in the moment you do, you're always armed with the tools that you need. It's more detrimental when you're worrying about not being prepared. Mm-hmm. Just being being stuck. What is do you have words of wisdom for people that feel that's that feeling of being stuck, of not that fear of not wanting to take that step into action? How do you summon that courage to do that new scary thing? There's a couple of strategies that we can take action. One of the biggest thing is we have to drain fear of its food source Mm. and it's time. And I heard that from a friend. It's not mine. So I I stole it. And I think she got it from an author. I don't remember who said it. (laughs) But the more time we allow between the thing that we want and our action, then the more stuck we get. So decrease that amount of time and take action. And one way to do that is to follow the advice of Mel Robbins. And she says, five, four, three, two, one, and you do it. Whether it's sending that email or five, four, three, two, one, I open my computer. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one, I open a document. What's the next step? We don't have to think like 15, 20 steps ahead. We can think the next best step. And it can be as simple as, let's say you're working on your book. It can be as simple as opening your computer and opening a Google Doc and saving it. That's your that's your one step. Then the next day you open co- your computer, open the Google Doc you saved and type one sentence. And it, it doesn't have to be like these big, crazy ideas, right? Just that one small step. Um, And then I love having an accountability partner, someone who you can share, hey, this is what I am focused on and here's what I want to do. Can you call me or I will call you when I finish this amount? And if I don't, please hold me accountable to that. And what can I be, um, what can I hold accountable for you? And so it's an exchange of, Um, accountability partners, which I think is really, really fun. Um, But I'm a dork when it comes to accountability. I love it. So maybe other people might not think that's as fun. What makes a good accountability partner when you're looking to choose someone? Are there some specific traits that are good to have in them? Yeah. For me, Monique, someone who is kind and loving and will be honest So I want somebody, let's say Monique, you and I are partners and I set a deadline for myself and I tell you, Hey Monique, um, on Monday, I really want to do this. And you're like, got it. And then on Monday night, I check in with you and I'm like, well, I didn't quite get to it. And for me, a bad accountability partner sounds like, oh, that's okay. Like you had a tough day. You had a lot going on. Like you're feeding into my stuckness Mm -hmm. of excuse making. What works for me is, okay, I hear you. What actions are you going to take to make that a reality? Let's break it down. What's three things that you can do right away? And someone who is 
um, we're in like in the compatico and sync like that. We're, we're pushing each other ahead every little bit of the way. That there can almost be over, over kindness. And that's not helpful in a way if you're letting someone, you're letting them kind of off the hook and you're trying to be kind. You're not yes. trying to do it on purpose because you love them, but it's like that, that tough love, right? Yeah. That you're doing it lovingly, but you also need the push. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so now it's okay. Just whatever, because then, well, you're never going to get it done. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then there's this other thing I heard, Monique, that we often go to the worst thing that could happen when mm. we're pursuing something new. So I heard this gentleman say, and I don't remember who it was, is on Clubhouse. And he said, what's the worst that could happen in reality? And you have to stop going in the fantasy and focus on the reality and then think, are you okay with that? So let's say I want to go live on Instagram. Well, what's the worst that can happen? Nobody watches the video. That's the worst. Am I still okay with that? Yeah, I I would be because it's not about the metrics. It's about me taking a chance on myself and putting myself out there. So then I can go for it because the reality of what's the worst doesn't seem so scary and and big and bad anymore. It's not a case of life or death anymore. It's almost puts it into perspective. Right. Right. We're doing a a little shift in perspective making. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Cause how many times can you get carried away with the worst case scenario and it becomes, well, no one shows up and then I'm going to die because of it. Or, (laughs) you know, I'm going to put my voice out there and no one is going to love me and they're going to, Mm. you know, shun me because of it. And um, it's funny how our minds always jump to that worst case scenario. (laughs) And then we can ask, what's the best that could come out of this? What's the best thing that could happen? My video could be loved by so many that I reach millions of people and they learn how to be more courageous and bold in their lives, right? Like we could go, we could go there too. Mm. So I think all the people that have, um, they've reached that kind of that, I don't want to say status, but they've had that reputation and visibility in the world you look back at their origin story and they didn't wake up one day and they're like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to get a million hits on YouTube. That, that was probably the furthest from their mind. (laughs) Yeah. We can't compare our beginning with someone else's middle. We have to compare our beginning to our beginning. Mm, how many times do we do that, that we compare ourselves to someone that's always further ahead mm-hmm. than us <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or in the business world, someone that's, you know, been doing it for so much longer or has a whole team behind them, supporting them. And um, you compare it, you know, line for line to what you're doing. Yeah. And we're all, we're all starting at different times, right? In different places. Yeah. And it's all okay. We're in the exact place we're supposed to be right now. Maybe more more self-love that needs to be 
given to us. For sure. More more kindness to ourselves. It's funny, I'd read something about, um, the person was talking about if you had a friend that talked to you the way you talk to yourself, would you still be friends with them? And the answer frequently is no, they would be a horrible friend. Like who does that <laughs> to their friend? <laughs> but then we think it's okay to do it to, to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what gave you the push of courage? I, you've given us some amazing strategies or all those three strategies ones. Do you use them all together? Do you use them one at a time? The, Courage along the way, all three of those strategies have played a part in one or another. To keep you going. Yeah, to keep me going. Yeah. The initial one, I think I was just so unhappy. I was in a place that I didn't realize how toxic I was becoming. And to my, and I don't know if taxes is the right word. Um, it's funny, like when I look back on that moment or in that time of my life, my husband was like, you just came home and you were really just not yourself and you just seem so heavy. And I think it was the permission for him to say, it will be okay. So Monique, this is what is crazy is the whole time while I was going through all of this, my husband had a really great job and he got approached to start his own business. And we were going to be in like tons of debt and he's starting his business and he's like, all right, Ming, for the next years, however many years, like you have to have the steady job with health insurance because my job is kind of a whack-a-mole. Like I'm starting a new business. I'm not buying all this kind of stuff. And then <laughs> I think it was, he said it's three months into his business. I was like, I'm not really happy anymore. And he's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> No, that's not how it's supposed to work. Right? Like that's what happens, right? Yeah, you have it all perfectly planned out, right? And then it all yeah. blows up together. Yeah, so I think I was holding on to the pressure of the the story that I made up was I have to hold this job because I have a steady income, I have insurance, I have to have this job because this is such a reputable place to work. I would be out of my mind to leave such a well-known organization. So all of those things. And then I, it was all the external factors that were driving and not really the internal. So I really had to focus back on self, Monique, like what you were saying. And was I living into my zone of genius? Was I in flow? Was I really executing at my highest level? And I don't know if I could say yes. Like I was still doing a great job in my job. I was still, I loved all the people I worked with. It was amazing. That was probably one of the hardest parts was all of the people that I love so much. Um, but I, I, I knew it was time for me to go and do something else because there was more out there. It was that pulling on the heartstrings again. And I didn't know what that more was. I just knew it was out there and I had to trust 
that it was the right thing to do. And it's worked out so far. (laughs) That's amazing. And especially during a time where everything was shifting. And did you have your boys at that point? Yeah, I think they were like two and a half or three. They were really little. They might have been, they might have just turned two. Yeah. Oh, yes. And our full-time nanny at that time had moved out. Uh, she moved to Virginia. So I was looking for childcare too, on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just everything. It's it, It's funny. I've heard so many similar stories of... <laughs> If you keep ignoring what you are meant to pursue, then things just start to to fall apart around you, not in a bad way, but so you can rebuild. If you're not going to take that leap, I find the sign, they get stronger. Do you find the more that you were unhappy? Was it just weighing on you more and more? Yeah, it was just like this brick. Your listeners can't see my hands on my shoulders, (laughs) but it was just like pushing me down. And what I noticed was happening for me is I'm an Enneagram 7. I'm an enthusiast. I am bright. I am positive. That's my natural being. And everywhere I go, like connecting with people is so important to me. And I I was doing it on the outside because that's my innateness. But then on the inside, it wasn't, there was like a little bit of me that was, felt like I was a fraud, that what I was sh- matching on the external wasn't really internal. And I noticed that my light, my creativity, my joy just started to dim a little bit. And I was shrinking and who I was and shrinking and acknowledging my talents and strengths. I remember um, I was in a, we were in a meeting and I worked on a project and I was telling another person um, of what I was working on. And one of my supervisors said, well, other people helped you with that. That was a team effort. And I said, actually, on this one, I did it on my own. This was something that I came up with. And Mm -hmm. he kind of shot me this look like, you're supposed to be a team player. Like, you're not supposed to. And so I felt like, oh, was that bad that I took credit for what I did? Maybe I should have said that we work together then I was like, wait, why am I giving what I, why am I giving my hard work away? That just sounded so crazy. And, and I hope you're following Monique, cause I'm kind of taking on this path, but it seemed so silly for me to be embarrassed and feel small of the great work that I was doing. That mm, you were put in a situation where you were almost, it sounds like you were made to like, no, this is a team environment. So you have to give credit to someone that you, it's almost like forcing siblings to share, right? Yes. <laughs> when they don't want to, and it's not actually happening. And I'm all about team collaboration and mm. sharing. And, but I also remember, I also value giving credit to the people who it, it belongs to. What was really interesting, Monique, is after I said, okay, I'm starting something new, I'm leaving, 
opportunities just started flowing in. And I realized if if I never closed that door, none of the other ones would have opened. And that sounds so cliche. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like opportunities, you know, one door closes, another one opens. Yeah. But it's true because after that, I was um, my talk on Courage in the Classroom, TED Ed promoted it. I got selected to be a TEDx speaker. I am speaking with school districts. My new boss, within months of me starting, he gave me this huge project that is so in my zone of genius. And he, just gave believed in me. So it was like all of these things started lining up in place and it's it's amazing how that happens. But you had to be willing to close that door instead of holding on to it first. Yeah. I I could see how it's it's almost like an energy drain trying to hold on to this past life that is secure that you can't you can't put yourself out there for the new opportunities while you're clutching on to this other thing it's like tug of war right <laughs> like these two things are pulling on you and you just can't sustain both of them <laughs> yeah exactly it's i'd love to hear about yeah just how how things can flow when when you let them flow What did your husband think of all of this? He obviously supported you to go off. Yeah. (laughs) That's where this started. So let me go back to your original question. (laughs) He was fully supportive. He's like, it's okay, Ming. We can find something. We looked into what it would look like if his business bought insurance. We looked in. We he was so supportive. I can't even begin to s- explain. Um, but I, I really felt that permission from him of it's okay. It's not worth it. Our, our personal joy and happiness isn't worth that sacrifice. So you're prioritizing that, that feeling of the joy and the happiness versus all yeah. those other expectations of what you, what you should <laughs> be doing with your life. There's a passion test. I, it's called the passion test and it helps you prioritize what are your top passions. And the question that the facilitator asks is, if you could have one, but not the other, which one would you choose? And that's how you kind of pick, is it family, friends, health, spirituality, like all of this. And one, my top was family and friends. But I was spending so much time at work. I'm like, I'm not actually leaning into that. And how can I be doing more of that? That's neat to see it all written out. That oh, these are my top priorities. So why am I not? Why am I focusing the least amount of energy with something that wasn't even on the list? <laughs> yes, yes. It's just oh my gosh, you get hit with it. Like oh, uh-huh. okay, well. <laughs> I better do something to change that around if I want to be happier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's neat. And that's called the passion test. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Be an interesting resource for people that are just want to, sometimes it's hard to be in your, 
in your head. But when you put it down on paper, it's, um, if you're that visual person, it, it makes sense of why, why on earth am I spending all this energy on something that like you said is not even on the list at all? <laughs> Do you have any practices that keep you balanced? I mean, it can be so hard with the way you're pulled every day, you know, being in a career, being a parent, being a wife. Do you have practices that help bring you back to yourself and keep you aligned with that purpose, with those important things, with those passions? I would love to say that I do, Monique. I guess the most consistent thing I have is that I joined a bar class. So I'm part of Pure Bar in our local area. And when I go and work out, it's I go when I have a headache and I come out and my headache is gone. It's It really grounds me. And I have a group of really great friends that are there. It's so nice connecting with them. And I get rejuvenated from connecting with others. So going out and meeting my friends for dinner or having a a drink with them or whatever it may be and just kind of reconnecting, but connecting with the right people, that fuels me because I'm very, very much so an extrovert. Yeah. And that if you're not connecting with the right people, you don't get that, that, that boost of that energy, that creativity, that that comes from it. Yeah. With, with having a full-time job and doing the speaking and the podcast on the side and being a part of this family, when I'm doing something that's for me, I always ask myself the worth it factor. Like, is it worth it being away from my husband and kids to go do this? And if the answer is yes, awesome, great. I'm aligned. And if it's no, then why am I doing it just to do it? Yeah, by having it kind of up against all your high-valued things, it you're only going to do it if you really want to. Not because you're, you know, I, I feel like, oh, you have to go do this because you have to go network with these and these people and this is what you're supposed to do to grow your career, your business, and then you feel miserable the whole time you're there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do you find it hard to prioritize yourself as a mom? Do you have those moments of, okay, I need to just take some time and, and do this thing that's going to rejuvenate me and give me energy back? It's usually where I've, I'm already like way over and I need it so bad and I lose it. And I'm like, I need to get out of the house. And I don't know how that (laughs) happens. I don't recognize the small creeping signs of, Hey, you need some time for you. It's when the laundry is all piled up, the dishes are all <laughs> over, there's clutter all over the house. It's a mishmash. I'm like, how did all this happen? I can't take it, you know, but like the little steps, I'm like, oh, it's fine. I, th- I think for me, I hold it in and hold it in and hold it in until I'm like, what just happened? 
I'm sure my husband would be appreciative if I communicated with him during the fall, small steps <laughs> along the way. <laughs> but I don't yeah, think I'm hard. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think I need more awareness and myself for that first. <laughs> it's it's definitely it's it's a very unique thing being an entrepreneur and having a career while being a mom. It's like you're straddling these two word, words, you're straddling these two worlds. I remember having a conversation with a friend about not that she would ever take back what we have as women in this era, but she said, I, I can see how it used to be easier that you just focused on one thing. You just focused on your kids and your home. Where now, okay, you're still focusing on your kids and your home and being a mother, but then you always have, you also have these passions and these dreams and this career you want to pursue and you're being pulled into directions and have to kind of figure out the dance of how to achieve them both. It's definitely a dance. It's not a daily balance. I think people who are like, oh yeah, it's a balance. Every I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> one day is like totally <laughs> off skewed and <laughs> all these social profiles with like picture perfect houses and kids. And it's like, no, 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 that's not. <laughs> that's not definitely not my. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that how it, we're, it's like we're making each other feel guilty by only putting the perfection out there and not all all the mess in between. (laughs) Uh, So tell me what, do you have dreams for where you see this going? Are you just going with the flow now and seeing where it's taking you? Or do you have anything that you can see yourself doing? Yes, Monique, that's the short answer. <laughs> Yay! But it's hush hush. (laughs) No, 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 no. So no, I'm like, what? It's been recent that I'm refocusing back on courage with students and courage in the classroom. And this has been such a weird year with COVID. And Mm -hmm. I think there are still moments of courage that we can address of what's working for learning for students, what's not working and asking them. I think that's courageous of teachers to ask the kids their feedback and for kids to speak up too. And I do this with my own kids. And I know it sounds so crazy asking a four-year-old, but sometimes they're way more insightful than we give them credit for. So as I'm shifting back into this, my TEDx talk of build a herd, H-E-A-R-D mentality of listening. I'm like, yeah, I really want that out there. I'm like, I'm going to be on the morning show with Jenna and Hoda, and they're going to interview me and talk about how to build courage in the classroom. And so for next steps, I, I see like my 10 year plan of courage in the classroom being this amazing, huge thing where we're embracing it in all classrooms. What that exactly looks like, Monique, I'm not sure, but I know Mm. that It is important enough for me, for my kids to feel courageous in their classroom. And if it's important enough for my kids, I want it for all kids. Mm. Do you think COVID has given us that space with the shift of what things look like to 
to almost reevaluate and look at what's happening in the classroom. It's almost like everything shifted. Kids weren't in school. Now some are in school, some are online, some are doing both. Do you feel like it's given that space of, okay, let's actually look at what's happening? Yeah, for sure. With change, we get to reevaluate, reflect, right? And there's definitely potential for that. And I think for us too, is anytime we're in positions where it's a level position, right? Like kid to parent, student to teacher, the -hmm. person who is in that top level is supposed to be the all-knowing, the with the holder of the knowledge. And I don't know about you, Monique, but with your kids, I'm sure you have moments of you're like, well, I don't, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Like, let's let's find out <laughs> together, right? Like, we don't yeah. know. And I think sometimes educators feel that way too. I mean, I remember being a brand new teacher and a kid asked me a question. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. This <laughs> six-year-old just asked me something. I don't know. Uh, is it okay if I admit it? Is it not? And I just said, you know what? That's a really great question. And let's find out together. Mm. And it's okay. You put you take the pressure off when you're not this all-knowing entity. I we remember don't have my to be. Yeah. No. And I remember my eldest daughter came to me once and made a comment of like, oh, when I'm an adult, I'll know all these things because you know all these things. And <laughs> I looked at her and I told her, like, actually, you know more than me in what matters, that mm-hmm. you are just so in tuned and insightful that I'm actually unlearning a lot of things <laughs> as an adult <laughs> to try and get back to where you are. <laughs> because all the, you know, like all this extraneous information, it doesn't make me more wise. <laughs> That kids have so much more insight into what is happening that I think we're blind to because we're so busy, you know, doing what we're supposed to be doing, supposed to, in quotes, and in our career and and not listening. I love heard, H-E-A-R-D. So more about listening, listening to the kids then and their thoughts. Yeah, exactly. So traditional education schooling teaches us to lump kids together, to move, act, and think as one because it's easier. It's easier when you're managing a class to do that. And if we took some time to, to listen, we can discover the individuals within the herd and acknowledge the individuals. Mm, I'm, I'm super excited to see where this takes you and to follow along on your journey, because I know it's going to be amazing and you're going to make such an impact. Thank you, Monique. I'm excited too. You're welcome. Yay. Just go with the flow, right? Just (laughs) see where it lands. You don't have to have it all scripted out. You're just following that passion. (laughs) Yeah. That's the other thing is that we think that we have to have these grandiose plans and mapped out and that could work. That that can definitely work, but it's mm-hmm. not the only way that works. So mm-hmm. if you don't have a plan, it's okay. What's the next right thing? What's the next best step? 
Mm. It reminds me a lot about COVID, that how many people had plans for 2020 that... Just totally. You think you knew what your plan was, but then it totally got blown out of the water. But then you actually got led to a better plan that you couldn't even conceive. Well, is there any words of wisdom that you want to impart on listeners? Anything that you've learned along your journey about courage? What <laughs> the most important thing? is that essence of that courage when you feel that tug on your heartstrings or that pull listen and take action thank you for tuning in and sharing this very special space with me if you loved what you just listened to don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode And I would be so grateful if you left a comment, a rating, and shared with anyone that you feel called to. Sending you so much love and light. Until next time, take care, lovelies.